I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. And we are continuing our Animation April series focusing on the different eras and periods of Disney animation. And on this episode, we are talking about the experimental age. That's right. Where some of, a lot of their films weren't as successful because Pixar was doing big and successful movies. But some, however, a few of them were critically and financially successful like the older previous movies. I think in the last episode you referred to this, uh, some people call this Disney's second dark age. And in a lot of ways, I think it was more a more unsuccessful period of Disney's history than than the previous dark age. But we'll get more into that in a second. For now, let's answer last week's trivia question, which was, The Little Mermaid ends with a happy ending, where Ariel marries Prince Eric. But Hans Christian Andersen's original story had a much darker ending. How did the original story end? Um, the main character, who was not named Ariel, who didn't have a name in the original story, sadly turned to sea foam. And that's actually not an uncommon thing when you see these fairy tale adaptations where the original fairy tale was much, much darker than the adaptation. Yeah, like a lot of Grimm's fairy tales are very different from the these versions we know, especially the Disney versions. Yeah, and that's kind of where the term Disney-fied comes from, where it's the idea that you, you take perhaps dark material and sort of make it fluffy. Okay, so that was the answer to last week's trivia question. Stick around to the end of the episode for this week's trivia question. For now, let's get started on our feature presentation. It's Disney's experimental age. Some of their films weren't as successful as the previous ones because a lot of them were flops and some of them received mixed reactions from critics. But there were a few that were critically and financially successful, like the previous ones. Yeah. But it was during the time of when Pixar's films Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, and Up were Pixar's seven films of the 2000s were released and were all critically and financially successful. So when exactly did the experimental age take place? Late in 1999, starting with Fantasia 2000. And then it would end with in 2008 with the last film of that period, Bolt. Yes, yes. Something worth noting with a lot of these films, kind of like the Dark Age, is that there are a lot of films that kind of just aren't really talked about anymore. Uh, they didn't do well then, and they haven't really gotten much of a following since. And so we'll be talking about that a little bit more, about the box office performances of these films because for the most part, most of them either underperformed or massively flopped. Yeah, I get it. But a few of them were critically and financially successful. Yeah, so why don't we get started with the first couple of films that marked the period, obviously Fantasia 2000 you mentioned. It's the direct sequel to Fantasia, and it had segments like... By like Be uh, one, the first one has Beethoven's Fifth. It also had segments like the Steadfast Tin Soldier and Carnival of the Animals, and it even reused the Sorcerer's Apprentice se sequence from the original. Perhaps unsurprisingly, even though it was received well, it flopped at the box office. It just kind of, to me at least, it felt like the original Fantasia was a product of its time and trying to 
translate that to modern times when, like you said, Pixar was ramping up, DreamWorks was ramping up, these kind of fun, exciting, action-packed films with a new style of animation were all taking place, and here comes this movie that just inherently feels dated. I know, and Fantasia 2000, I know, was also the first Disney animated feature to be released in in the IMAX format. Well, speaking of first, let's get to the next film, Dinosaur, which was the, at least by Disney Animation specifically, was the first animated film to, uh, to feature CGI animation. Yes, and it was, but it was also partly live action, and it was about an iguanodon named Aladar who was raised by lemurs. It, it was uh, mixed, but critics praised the sequence and wonder and you and unique visuals with the style of it some were debating whether it was produced by disney feature animation or not right there's some speculation that a different studio produced it and disney just shipped it out to theaters but that's that's not true that's not the case disney actually Mm. made this film it it did not do well but it perhaps presaged a trend away from traditional animation that we would see, especially by the end of this era. I know, yeah. But before we get into that, you know, we would actually go back to a bit of traditional animation with Emperor's New Groove. Which we talked about before, months ago, for, in time for its um, 20th anniversary. And this one was a really funny buddy comedy movie. It was about Cusco, a spoiled young emperor who gets accidentally turned into a llama, and along the way learns some good life lessons from a peasant named Pacha. Yeah, and I and I think this movie, we talk about it more in our episodes, so you can check that out to learn more about the history. But this was one of those films where Disney was really just trying to find its footing again from the previous era of the Renaissance. The last few films had it done as well as they had hoped. And then these films, uh, Fantasia 2000, Dinosaur both flopped. And then Emperor's New Groove was trying to right the ship, but it actually underperformed at the box office, even though it did find a lot of success uh, in DVD sales. But it kind of, to me at least, represents Disney just struggling to figure out what its identity was at this point. And that's especially the case with the next film. It became more successful financially on video, though, but but it didn't exactly flop, but it did perform lower than expected. And I think this this actually leads well into the next film because this is probably the film that really, really just showed what an identity crisis Disney was going through at the time. And it was called Atlantis, The Lost Empire. And it was a science fiction movie. It was about Milo and some explo- who's an explorer who teams up with some explorers to find the lost city of Atlantis. And... He meets Kida, a princess of Atlantis, who was also Milo's love interest, who was the bad guy in the movie, who uh, who was at first seems kind and he's trying to help Milo, was Lyle Tiberius Rourke, who was actually revealed to be, revealed to actually be pretty evil and greedy. The movie itself is a mess. It's extremely ambitious in a lot of different ways. It's worth noting that it was made by the same people who did The Lion King, Aladdin. And it was directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise, who directed Beauty and the Beast and Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, and so it was coming off 
the backs of a lot of talented people who were trying to specifically it the behind the scenes stuff is actually very interesting uh, because they very explicitly mention that they want to create a new Disney formula and it, it did not work out. It it no. flopped. There is a plan to make a show based off of this movie that got canceled. And an underwater ride in Tomorrowland as well. But since the legacy of it is that it's is that it's become a cult favorite. Definitely a cult film at this point. I don't get it, but that's okay. <laughs> I thought it had really cool 3D visuals. It definitely pushed the animation style to more include more CGI animation. It really bring those two these different styles of animation together into a film that you is you now see it's a lot more common especially in tv animated shows to see a mixture of traditional and cgi animation i know and one of the reasons why atlantis flopped was because it came out during the same time as dreamworks shrek which was a critical and financial success it definitely was facing some pretty steep competition for sure. I know, I know. And that same year was also Monsters, Inc., the first of the 2000s decades made by Pixar, which was a critical and financial success as well. Yeah, so, you know, Disney reeling from this flop, again, trying to write the ship, and they they managed to do it. And it's interesting because this is probably one of the, the most popular Disney franchises now, but the next film, which we've talked about before, was... Lilo and Stitch. Yes, it was a buddy comedy movie, as we talked about before, about an alien named Stitch who lands, crash lands in Hawaii and meets a little girl named Lilo who thinks Stitch is a dog. But it's become one of Disney's most successful and popular, and Stitch has become one of Disney's most popular char- and iconic characters. Yeah. So riding high on that success, Disney then made Treasure Planet. <laughs> Which was a science fiction retelling of of uh robert lewin stevenson's treasure island it took place in the future far away far away future and it was favorably received by critics but not so much by audiences who just did not see this movie and it kind of spelled the end of something that atlantis was trying to start and a sci-fi era and it was not a big success like its previous film lilo and stitch was right and you would see this kind of that kind of hybrid animation uh, while that kind of hybrid animation has been successful in tv shows it kind of spelled the end for films and you would start to see very soon that disney was just go to completely cgi animation but we haven't gotten to that yet but this one is called brother bear which was completely traditional i know and it was about a young impulsive boy named teenage boy named kenai who after tragically losing his older brother sitka gets turned into a unexpectedly turned into a bear and along the way he meets an orphaned bear cub named coda and two hilarious talkative moose named rutten took and this film was successful, but kind of like a lot of the films from this era that had even some success, it really didn't achieve that same iconic status as you saw from the Renaissance era. Like it didn't have the same big, huge, massive success of like The Lion King. And at least it just didn't resonate. And maybe, maybe that's just personal bias because when we were kids, 
like the Lion Lion King for me was the movie that I would always watch as a kid. Brother Bear came kind of at a different period in our lives. So maybe that's part of it, but I I also just think that it didn't really resonate the same way with people like Lion King or Aladdin or yeah. maybe the Beast. I know that Brother Bear, though, was also the third and final animated feature of Disney to be made at the Disney's Florida unit at MGM Studios, now known as Hollywood Studios in, in Walt Disney World. Yeah, so this period is marked by a lot of transition, as we'll see, um, especially as we get into the next period but that's for the next episode but we have a few more movies to talk about here this one was home on the range which was a western comedy movie and it flopped really bad (laughs) but it was a musical like most of the disney renaissance films but it it didn't have music that was no match for older films like the lion king beauty and the beast or aladdin it's also interesting because you told me something an interesting fact about this movie I know it was the last animated feature from that was hand-drawn until Princess and the Frog in 2009 that started the revival era. And so, obviously, leading to the next film, given that this was the last hand-drawn animated film of this era, we get Chicken Little. Yes, and it was a modern and clever, hilarious retelling of the classic fable, Chicken Lickin', or Chicken Little or Henny Penny. Yeah, this film, uh, it sparked some success. and It was dis- First to be entirely computer animated. Yeah, but again, kind of like Brother Bear, it just didn't really reach that iconic status and drive a lot of success for Disney. No, but it was it had was cool. It was in 3D. It was funny. Was financially successful at the box office. And I think it's it's more interesting in just how it sets the scene for the upcoming era and the films that we would get in the yeah. next decade. I know, I know, but after Chicken Little, which came out over a year later, was Meet the Robinsons, which was also fully computer animated. Their second fully computer animated film that is to be made by Disney Animation, and it was loosely based on the children's picture book, A Day with Wilbur Robinson by William Joyce. It was about a 12-year-old boy named Lewis, who's an orphan, and he's looking for a family, But then one day he meets a cool kid from the future named Wilbur Robinson, and then he goes to the future and meets a weird but wacky and funny and cool family called the Robinsons. I know that this film, though, was well favorably received from critics and was did well at the box office and was at least more successful than its previous film, Chicken Little, I think was the first to be... That, to, that John Lasseter was involved with. Yeah, to, to be clear, John Lasseter was the longtime CEO of Disney Animation. I think he retired last year, I want to say. I'm, I, I don't know the exact dates. And Lasseter would have a lot of success going into the next decade as, as the leader of, of Disney. But uh, it, it, there were some growing pains for him. For sure. But we have the last film of the era. And that one was Bolt, which was about a dog who was a TV star who thought his superpowers on TV were real until he ended up in the real world where he meet, where his best friend was a was a preteen girl actress named Penny. And John Travolta voiced the titular main character, Bolt. And when Bolt ended up all the way into the real world, he meets a, an impatient yet helpful cat named Mittens. 
and a hamster named Rhino who happens to be his biggest fan. And it was Disney's first film to be both critically and financially successful since Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. And um, so, Ezra, what would you say, because again, this period of time was called, uh, has been called by some people Disney's second dark age. Because some of their films flopped for like in some ways like The Black Cauldron did. So what would you say are some interesting takeaways looking at, ahead at what we know now and what we'll discuss next week there were some hits and misses like some films were forgettable but some films were more memorable and more successful critically and financially and some matched the success of their earlier and later films and some didn't and it's interesting to look at what bits and pieces disney picked from the films that were successful and how they brought those into the future into our modern day age. Yes. Bolts is what Disney had to make before making bigger and more successful movies like Tangled, Frozen, Princess and the Frog, and Wreck-It Ralph. Which we will be discussing those films next week in the last of our Animation April series, so be sure to stick around for that. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your time. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. In the meantime, we have a trivia question from Ezra. In 2006... Disney released a new animated film, but it wasn't actually made by Disney. What is the name of that movie? Okay, so if you know the answer, give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond.gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Bye! See you later. Bye.